This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. You know where you are. You pushed the button. You got me. You wanted me. Today on the Sharp Tongue Podcast, we talk about Gene Wilder. I tell you about my travels, where I've been, where I'm going, where I'm about to be. And uh, I talk some shit about my neighbor. And I give some shout outs to some dope fans. So stick around, y'all. It's about to get crunk. Welcome to the Sharp Tongue Podcast, boo things. I am very excited to be here. I took Labor Day off. Welcome back. I feel wonderful being back. I feel like I have such a manly voice. Like, I don't feel like I have a feminine voice. You ever think about what your voice sounds like? From my head, it sounds like I have a cold. I don't know if it sounds like that to you guys, but I feel like I sound like kind of a man manly which is fine you know uh well there you go (laughs) there you have it um thanks for tuning in please if you haven't already i'm gonna request a favor i want you guys to do me a favor can you please review the podcast send it to your friends have them subscribe if, if if they enjoy this sort of thing me talking shit um, if they get easily offended, still have them subscribe because I think I can break through those those emotional barriers that are put up by people who are offended by stuff. And if they aren't e- easily offended, still have them subscribe because we'll be kindred souls. Um, and if you can leave a review, that would be lovely. A few of you have left reviews, and thank you so much for doing that. It really helps and just makes it so this podcast continues to be fun, dope, and I'm able to put it out for you guys. Not that I'm going to stop putting it out. I'm just saying I always put out. hey yo, A few of you probably saw that coming. Oh! <laughs> I'm a child. I realize that I get a lot of my childish humor from my father. I've spent some time on the East Coast. I've actually been over here for almost a month now. I've been traveling a lot and I decided to make my travels stick around this area just because it's been easier for me. Um, Let's see, I'm going to get into my calendar here. I've been here since August 11th? Damn! Yeah, I I came here, hung out with um, my sister for her wedding party, which was craziness and we did it at the hotel Syracuse and then I went to from Syracuse I drove to Grand Rapids Michigan which you think flying would be better 
and it gets you there quicker. Sometimes it doesn't because there are delays and, you know, various travel mishaps that happen that keep you delayed. But flying is so gross. You guys know, I talk about it all the time. I'm always stuck in a fucking fart cloud. A thousand asses have been on that seat that day. And you're stuck in a metal box with assholes who are just fine about opening their assholes. And so I just thought, you know, it's a little bit of a drive from Syracuse to Grand Rapids. Fuck it. I'm going to do it. I get a lot of therapeutic thinking done when I'm driving because I'm just chilling in the car. got my dogs, listen to music, listen to podcasts, and... I'm able to, you know, not get syphilis from touching things because of all the dirty slobs that travel. And then from Grand Rapids, I went to Iowa State University. I think, I think I might have, yeah, I think I might have um, stopped by Pennsylvania in between Iowa State University and Grand Rapids, but I did go to Iowa State University. Uh, Marty performed with me there. And then we went to Maryland, Annapolis, Maryland, and performed at Ram's Head on stage. And then from there, I flew to L.A. for three days because I taped VH1's Hip Hop Squares, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, And then from L.A., I flew to Connecticut last week because I performed at Comics Mohegan Sun with Marty Caproni again. And then from comics I drove to Syracuse on Sunday and I've been here since then and I went and hung out with my sister and her baby who I'm going to throw into oncoming traffic he's so cute that cute aggression I spoke about I want to squeeze his cheeks until his eyes pop out of their sockets because he's the cutest thing I've ever seen and I can't handle it physically emotionally as existentially spiritually I want to kick him in his little toothless face because of how cute he is um, so that's what I did. Uh, Mohegan Sun was amazing. I, I'll talk more about that on next week's podcast because I was able to record with Marty and we talked a lot of shit. So I'll, I'll tell you all about Mohe- Mohegan Sun next week. And um, I probably should tell you about upcoming shows that I have. You can check all my dates on jessiemay.com. October 6th, 7th, and 8th. I'm going to be at the Comedy Connection in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, October 20th, 21st, 22nd. I will be at Parlor Live in Bellevue, Washington, which is basically Seattle. I love that place. The place is so amazing. If you haven't been to Seattle, fucking go. It's like San Francisco with more trees. It's just so dope. Uh, they have Sasquatch. That, enough said. They have Sasquatch. He exists in Seattle. He resides in Seattle. Uh, Sasquatch is really progressive. October 28th, 29th, and 30th, I'm at the San Jose Improv. What, what, what? And then uh, then I'll be in November, I'll be at the Helium in St. Louis. That's going to be November 10th, 11th, and 12th. And for Thanksgiving, I will be back at the Funny Bone in Syracuse for Thanksgiving weekend, the Wednesday through Sunday jessiemay.com for tickets and um if you email me funny crazy goofy wild stories i always give tickets away to my shows i like to make it interactive so send me some craziness send me your crazy stories i want to know what goes on in your life that's insane so we can all bond on ridiculousness not the mtv show but just life ridiculousness and send those stories to sharp tongue podcast at gmail.com 
Uh, so yeah, I taped VH1's Hip Hop Squares, which if you didn't know it was a show, it is a show. It was on MTV2, I believe, and then Ice Cube took it over, which is hilarious. So I got hired to do it, and it was amazing. I was the only white chick. I was like the token white chick, which I'm used to. I went to inner city school. I went to Henniger High School. It was a public school, and you know, it was very diverse. So I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. If I'm the only white girl at the table, I'm chilling. I'm fine. There's, there's, I feel comfortable in that position. And it, it was amazing. There were so many people there who were successful and that I looked up to, like I got to work with Tisha Campbell Martin because she married a man whose last name is Martin. But if you know Tisha Campbell, she is from Martin, the long live sitcom with Martin Lawrence from the nineties. Hello. Uh, if you don't know, now, you know, one of my favorite shows growing up, Martin Lawrence was a huge influence for me because he just was so goofy and he did so many characters and he was so damn talented. Um, but it was funny cause I walk into the makeup room and Tisha Campbell is just sitting there getting her makeup done. And I'm just, I walk in and, you know, I don't really get starstruck, you know, I, I just don't. There's a few people who really do it for me. And coincidentally, Gene Wilder was one of those because he's one of my favorite actors of all time. And in this podcast is going to circulate around his career and, and what he's done and what he means to me and, and all that cheesy shit. But Martin was just a huge influence for me. It, I think it ran from like 1992 to 97. So it wasn't like that long of a run, but it was, it was a, it was a groundbreaking show because of the, the fact it was an all black cast that it was centered around successful people and goofy characters and Martin Lawrence played like five different characters. Tisha Campbell played his um his love interest on the show. Shanene. How you do Shanene? She didn't did she say how you doing? I'm getting Wendy Williams mixed up with fucking everybody lately. Um I feel like she did. Maybe Wendy Williams took it from Shanene. How you doing? Maybe Oh my God, I sound so white when I say that. Um, and I, I, my man voice is really kicking in right now. <laughs> but it was just so dope to walk in. And I'm just like my bubbly self. You know, I walk in, I'm like, hey, what's up? I like, I like it to be fun, like the whole experience. From getting my makeup put on, to taping, to the downtime in, in between the taping, which there's a lot of. So you're hanging out with all the other cast members or... Um, talent that is hired for these shows so I just like to bond and have fun and talk shit and so I walk into the makeup room and I'm just like talking shit and goofing around and I see Tisha and I you know I'm just like hello nice to meet you and she's like oh hey how are you and I was like you know I'm, I'm a big fan of your work I've watched you you know I, I love what you've done and I've, I've always uh, been a fan of Martin and everything she's like oh thank you so much and inside I'm like holy shit that's Tisha Campbell like, my 90s child was like, yo, that's my jam. And I was just there, like, hanging out, talking shit with the makeup artist. And Tisha 
was talking with her makeup artist and she stops and she goes to me she goes you know what's so funny I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and the moment you walked into the room the second you walked in I said to myself oh there's me like I feel connected to you because of your energy and your positivity and your goofiness and all of this 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 aura that you have I feel like we have a very similar personality and I just was like that's amazing to hear thank you because you know the reality is there are a lot of assholes in this business just like there's a lot of assholes in life and to have somebody who you looked up to as a young girl who was a successful and still is a successful female actress performer comedian whatever you want to call her say that to you it just was like validating and it's so infrequent that these little validating moments occur in your career where you meet people you respect or your idols or you have uh, fans come up to you and tell you these endearing stories about what you do and how it has affected their lives it's few and far in between but it goes so far you have to hang on to those moments so it just was like a dope moment to have with her and then you know cut to us taping we just were all over the stage you have to I can't wait to see these these shows because it just was pure mayhem You've got T.I. on stage. You've got Tisha Campbell, Mike Epps, T-Pain. Biz Marquis is, is spinning on the ones and twos. He was like the, the show DJ. D-Ray Davis is the host. Uh, Seven Streeter was on. Mike Epps. Did I already say Mike Epps? Just tons of people. And, and, and me. <laughs> and little Jesse May chilling. Um, I was sitting. I loved Hollywood Squares growing up. So this is direct variation just with hip-hop artists and me because VH1's like, who's the kind of cool-down white chick we could put on there? Uh, and they called me. <laughs> and I was like, absolutely, this sounds so fun. Um, but So it's set up just like Hollywood Squares was, and the game is very similar. Um, the only difference is it's just a bunch of hip-hop artists and, you know... DC Young was there there's so many people that it was like at moments I just was laughing because I just thought it was hysterical like literally the square behind me or above me if you want to call it that was T.I. and he's just chilling in this you know he's chilling like this huge throne and I'm just like okay what's up T.I. how you doing total gentleman total gentleman who is very subdued but speaks very prophetic (laughs) He's got this, like, amazing vocabulary and just has a poetic way of speaking. So it was just hilarious to have all these, like, just crazy ratchet artists yelling and screaming. I mean, T-Pain was in a cloud of smoke the whole time. He looked like a motherfucking wizard. He just had his vape pen puffing away, and he's screaming at at T.I., and it just was... (laughs) O'Shea Jackson obviously was there. Um, That's Ice Cube's son who was a delight. He reminded me of like kids I went to high school with. He was so goofy and high. <laughs> I brought my vape pen too. I was like, oh, we sparking? We sparking. Um, even though it's not technically sparking per se because you're not lighting a fire, but still, it's the healthier version. So they say now, we'll see what happens in 30 years when we realize that vape pens also cause some sort of cancer. Please, I hope they don't because I love vaping. But O'Shea Jackson just chilling chilling everyone's yelling at each other 
it was like being in a high school cafeteria. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was back in high school. Everyone's talking shit to one another. And it was, it just was a surreal moment. It, it, it's crazy to me that that was work. And I was only supposed to do one day of taping for three episodes. And then after my first episode, VH1 emailed my agency and they were like, we want her back the next day. So I ended up taping like six or seven episodes and then flying to Connecticut and then flying to or driving to Syracuse. And here I am now. Uh, And the fun part about the show is they let me bring props into my square. And so that consisted of a poop emoji pillow, which is one of my favorite pillows and my poop emoji glasses that one of my fans got me, Ashley Schillinger. I've been using those glasses on multiple media formats now. (laughs) So it's going to go to mainstream mainstream TV soon, Ashley. Those glasses are getting their, getting miles put on them. I used a hot pink fly swatter and I kept hitting motherfuckers with it. I had a bell that I dinged a bunch of times. Alcohol. Um, I twerked on my chair. It, It just, it was, it was mayhem. It was so much fun, and I felt honored to be the the token white girl. (laughs) So look for that. When I know when the release date is, I'm going to promote the fuck out of it, obviously. But it was quite quite the fiasco. And then uh, I went to see my sister, my little Prince Elliot, this motherfucker who I'm going to kick out of the yard because I can't handle his his face. And, and, And now I'm here. I'm here, and I thought about what podcast I wanted to do, and uh, it's hard sometimes because I want to, you know, make it interesting and different and figure out how to change out different topics and stuff like that, and then when Gene Wilder passed away, I was like, well, there's just, I have to do that. I have to talk about him because he's been a huge influence in my career and in my life, and I was able to meet him well not like one-on-one he wrote a bunch of books and when he wrote his memoir kiss me like a stranger he was on a book tour a bunch of years back I think it was like 2000 let's see I moved to New York in 2005 so I want to say this was like 2004 or 2003 that he that I that I met him but I was able to at least meet him from afar and you know, wherever this career takes me, whatever levels of success I reach beyond what I've already accomplished, anytime I meet a fan or somebody who, you know, comes up to me in a grocery store or the mall or, you know, the airport, it happens all the time. And they say, they tell me all their different, you know, ways of how they found me or how they, how I influence them or whatever it is. It's, it never gets old. It's, it's, uh, it's very endearing and humbling. And today I was at the mall trying to buy podcast equipment to be able to travel lighter because my H4N weighs way too motherfucking much for me to travel with. So I've tried to purchase some easier traveling items. Is that even proper English? Easier traveling items? What the fuck is wrong with me? Um, I need to smoke. I got to smoke some weed. Uh, I met this girl. I met the pagoda. I think that's what it's called the pagoda in the mall and I'm just looking you know I'm like I'm gonna get myself a little something cute because I deserve it I think it was called totally pagoda in, in, in 
Carousel Mall, a.k.a. Destiny USA. But I come from that 315 life where we used to call it Carousel Mall. And now it's been turned into this mega mall that they dubbed Destiny USA. And I'm just trying to find myself something cute. You know, something real cute because I sleep in satin sheets. And I need my ears to match that lifestyle. So um, I was like, yo, let me get some earrings right now. And so I met this girl named Ebony Johnson. Shout out to Ebony Johnson who told me that I, my, that the girl code and the show and my comedy and all of that helped her get through a tough time. And it doesn't get better than that, motherfuckers. Okay, so Ebony Johnson, shout out to you. I'm going to give you tickets to come see me at the Funny Bone in Syracuse during Thanksgiving weekend for all your girls, you and your girlfriends, to come and have a good night and let's do some tequila shots and, you know, let, let's just look real cute walk around that mall. Let's go go-karting, girl. I will I will knock you into a wall, figuratively and literally. <laughs> so shout-out to Ebony and her friends for being there for her during those tough times, and I'm glad she's she's gotten through it. So... It was just dope to meet her, and it was dope to meet Gene Wilder. Um, some of you might not know Gene Wilder. If you don't, you're crazy. He is an amazing actor, or was. He died. He passed away from, they're saying, complications with Alzheimer's last week. And I cried. Cried for a bunch of hours. I, f I was so sad all day. Oh, man, it's so weird because, like, when certain people have passed away, when Joan Rivers died, I cried cried for a while when Robin Williams died I cried um and when Gene Wilder died it, it felt like it, it was I felt so much sorrow and it's so it's such a weird feeling because I don't know him but the impact he had on, on me as a child and, a, and ultimately a performer was and is immeasurable you know I'm not a, a huge celebrity I'm not like an A-lister or anything by any stretch of the terms but I have worked hard to achieve what I've achieved and he was very influential in that so when that per when those people die it feels close to home I think that's the best way to describe it and he and everybody who knows me knows how much he meant to me and, and my friends messaged me you know my friend Aaron who I lived with in New York City messaged me right away. My friend Julie, who I've known for over a decade, messaged me. My mom, my sister, um, people, fans, anybody who knows me, who knows how much he meant to me, messaged me. So it just was interesting to realize that. And God, he's, he's been in so many movies. He, he was just, I don't know, something about his sweetness was what was endearing about him he had such a goofy sweet style of comedy it was very um endearing and very relatable it, it was ma it was magical is that cheesy to say i have to be honest i did smoke a little weed just a second ago and i think it kicked in <laughs> I'm over here fucking talking about how Gene Wilder's magical and shit. I mean, the truth of the matter is that a lot of his movies were magical. And they're classics. Instant classics. From Blazing Saddles, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Young Frankenstein, 
and then you've got the movies he did with Richard Pryor, which to me are some of the best comedies to date. You've got Stir Crazy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Silver Streak. Um, I think they did another You, which was a little bit later in both of their careers. It was, I think it was the last movie they did together. And then you've got the movies that he did with Gilda, which is who he was married to before this last wife that he has now widowed. Uh, I believe he did Hanky Panky with with Gilda and one of my all-time favorite Gene Wilder movies, um, <laughs> The ha- Haunted Honeymoon with Dom DeLuise. You have to watch this movie. One of my favorites. I, I don't know how to... What, what order to put these in because I love him so much that they're all my favorites but you I would start with Young Frankenstein just because it really showcases him as a comedic actor and he's the the lead so you get to see him carry a movie and it's slapstick which is just some of my favorite comedy styles I love slap, slapstick humor I get it from my father because my father loves slapstick and a lot of people think slapstick is easy and cheesy but it's not the nuances are so subtle that there's no fat on the jokes. There, there, there aren't it, there aren't these like verbose monologues or anything like that. I think the simplicity is just as artistic as a verbose, thoughtful, heady monologue in a movie. That's my opinion, though. Um, but you, you you start with Young Frankenstein, and then go to Haunted Honeymoon. I think you got to see Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. One of my all-time favorite movies of all time. And Willy Wonka's actually kind of a dark movie. It comes from the book by Ronald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I don't know for sure. I've read a couple different things, but they, they the reason why they didn't call the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is because Nestle was a um, I think either a financer of the film or a part of the film the film's rights. I think it may bu- planned on buying the film's rights. And they named it uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory so that they could market the, the uh, merchandise along with their branding. That's what I heard. And that's what I've read. So I don't know what, which is the real thing. But, you know, I could see a company like Nestle being like, now nah, we buying this shit, son. We about to sell some chocolates. But Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, classic, classic movie. Um, th- there's so many good ones from Gene Wilder. You've got... Uh, Haunted Honeymoon, which is with him and, and Gilda Radner, which was his wife before his most recent wife, who's now widowed. Uh, he was married to Gilda Radner, who ended up dying of cancer. So he did this movie Haunted Honeymoon with her, and I think it was their first, first movie together. They did a couple. They did Haunted Honeymoon. They did Hanky Panky. And I'm not sure if they did a couple more after that, but Haunted Honeymoon is so good. It has Dom DeLuise, who plays Gene Wilder's aunt, (laughs) which at the time is super progressive. Um, And it's literally what it sounds like. They go on a honeymoon as a married couple, and they go to this house, which is haunted, and there's all these creatures and a werewolf and, you know, like a zombie-like creature. It's just, it's delightful. It's from 1986. I highly recommend it. Gene Wilder's first movie, I believe, was Bonnie and Clyde, which 
is from like 1967 with Warren Beatty and, and Fane Dunaway. Warren Be- Beatty? 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 Uh, whatever his last name is. That was Gene Wilder's first film. And then, I'm pretty sure. And then um, Mel Brooks got a hold of him. Put him in the producers and Blazing Saddles. Two must-sees. Blazing Saddles was in 1974. Mel Brooks film. Mel Brooks worked a lot with Gene Wilder. And it is slapstick, which is a style of comedy, as I mentioned before. And there are so many one-liners. I, I, to me, I think Blazing Saddles is like the anchorman of its time because of all the, the, the shtick and the one-liners and just quotable lines from the movie. It's just so good. It's my dad's favorite movie of all time. My dad talks about the fart scene, which just floors him every time he listens to it. My dad, he'll laugh like a baboon every time that the Blazing Saddles fart scene comes up. And it's just all the characters sitting around a fire eating beans. (laughs) And what ends up happening is them ripping ass. Literally ripping ass. are funny I mean it's just a classic movie it really is it's just hilarious Mel Brooks is out of his fucking mind when it comes to his movies and just you talk about somebody who pushed limits as a director writer and producer he really did and it's it's a it's a western you know from the 70s and they just really go for it it's so good uh, I recommend that one. Uh, you have to. So we have Willy Wonka. You have to see Willy Wonka. You have to see Producers. Blazing Saddles is probably one of the greatest movies, comedies. Definitely an American classic. You have to see Haunted Honeymoon with him and Gilda Radner, Dom DeLuise. Um, he did a movie with Woody Allen, Everything I Always Wanted to Know About Sex. I believe he played a... a sex therapist in the movie. I'm pretty sure that's what... Yeah, he was a doctor in the movie. And um, it was dis- it was inspired by a book written by a doctor. And it's just a movie about sex and all these different perversions and orgasms. And Gene Wilder plays a doctor and you have to see it. It's important to see movies that are progressive 
like that. That's from 1972. And he he did a, a bunch of movies with Richard Pryor that are just some of my favorite movies of all time to this day that when I watch them, I gut laugh. And besides you having to see Young Frankenstein, you just have to see Young Frankenstein. There's so many of his movies that are amazing. Young Frankenstein is definitely one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I know I feel like I've said that a thousand times already. Young Frankenstein is another Mel Brooks film, just all-star cast. 1974, Gene Wilder, Marty Feldman, both of them have passed away. Peter Boyle, uh, who, I don't know if Peter Boyle's still alive. Yeah, I think he died. Yeah, so this whole cast is like dead. Oh man, fucking life sucks sometimes. You got Terry Garr, Cloris Leachman, they're still alive. Madeline Kahn, Gene Hackman, uh, just amazing, a whole star-studded cast. He plays Dr. Frederick Frankenstein. Um, even though it's pronounced Frankenstein as we know, he calls it Dr. Frankenstein. And he creates a monster. And it's basically the Frankenstein story. Um, just fucking hysterical. It is, there, there are one-liners from that movie that still hold up today. Madeline Kahn is so fucking funny. And crazy thing is when, well, it's not a crazy thing, just something that happened. When Gene Wilder died, I was just Googling stuff about him and, and looking up movies and checking out stuff on YouTube. And I ended up finding this blooper reel from the making of Young Frankenstein. And the thing about Young Frankenstein is it is a black and white film. It, it, color existed, but they, he, he chose to do it black and white. And I don't know the reasoning of that. You know, it's one thing I I wonder why he did that. I'm going to have to Google that. Um, But the, the Google, the, the blooper reel is so funny because of that fact, because it was black and white. So it has this different feel to it. And it's just actors you don't normally get to see fucking up and seeing them just make each other laugh there's something about that behind the scenes shit that is so good um but you definitely have to watch this movie there's just so many funny scenes my dad it's one of my dad's favorite movies as well and i love (laughs) i'm just thinking of like quotes from this from this movie there was this scene where I think it's Madeline Kahn's characters offering trying to offer cocktails or beverages to Dr. Frankenstein and she says do you want any vol milk and just the way she says I don't know why it's so funny but this scene always made me laugh so hard would the doctor care for a brandy before retiring no Thank you. Some warm milk? Perhaps? No, thank you very much. No thanks. Overting. Oh, 
Nothing. Thank you. I'm a little tired. Then I will say good night. Good night. <laughs> it's so simple. It, it, it's so simple. Maybe it's not as funny listening to it when it's a scene, but Madeline Kahn is so subtle and their chemistry, Madeline Kahn and, and Gene Wilder's chemistry in this movie is so on par. I feel like I sound like a total movie nerd right now or like a movie snob. Their on-screen chemistry was just up out of this world. But the truth of the matter is it was and you got to see it. It's fucking instant classic. I do recommend Blazing Saddles. You have to see Young Frankenstein. What else do we got here? Uh, Haunted Honeymoon. The Producers. And um, the other one... Uh, how could I forget Richard Pryor movies? I mean, the three he did with Richard Pryor, I think he did four. But the three that are stood out as the more popular ones are Stir Crazy... And I believe that's them in jail. I think they're in jail in that movie. I can just look this up on IMDb. I don't know why I'm trying to guess all this shit. Uh, Stir crazy. With a jailbreak offering them their only way out, a despondent duo rack their brains to figure out a foolproof plan. Fortuitously, one of them discovers an unexpected talent as a rodeo rider, and an escape plan begins to take shape at the annual prisoner's rodeo. Hilarious. 1980. It's so fucking funny. Uh, him and Richard Pryor probably had some of the best comedic chemistry between two actors in a movie that I can think of, really. And Hear No Evil, See No Evil is... Oh, God. There, when I think of this movie, Hear No Evil, See No Evil is... Um, Richard Pryor plays a blind guy. Gene Wilder is a deaf dude who works at a newsstand. And... Uh, <laughs> they end up working together and th they work at the newsstand together and a murder happens, right? And so with Gene Wilder being deaf and Richard Pryor being blind, each of them having this l limited sensory, but in different ways, it, the, 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 it's just hilarious it is so funny you have listen you don't even have to get high to watch this movie you don't want to get high to watch any of these movies if you're gonna get high for any of these movies i suggest willy wonka get high for that maybe haunted honeymoon but you know you don't even need it for that willy wonka would probably be the best weed inspired movie to watch or, or like a weed companion movie but hear no evil see no evil or see no evil hear no evil is you don't need any weed it is that good. That's what I. That's that's my claim. And there's a scene when I think of see, see no evil, hear no evil. I'm pretty sure it's this movie where Gene Wilder. I think he's trying to describe the person to the, to the detective, <laughs> and he reads lips because he's deaf. So he's trying to read the lips of the detective, and he thinks the detective says "Fuzzy Wuzzy was a was a woman." <laughs> See, recollecting this makes me laugh so hard. 
It's just the fact where Gene reads lips. The character has to read lips because he's deaf, and he misreads the guy's lips. That's what happens. What's the story here? I got the commissioner crawling up my ass. I don't know. I hope it sounds kind of shaky, you see, because the, the deaf guy, he's not so sure about the woman. And the blind guy, he heard the shot, but he, of course, can't make a positive identification. Sakes, you're feeling too goddamn sorry for him. He's the, you're, you're always feeling sorry for people. That's your trouble. All right, I'll take care of this. check it out the the it's you know i know there's the movies today i feel like they have to be or they feel like they have to be salacious and a lot of explosions and overacting and over cgi all this stuff there's there's something special about these older movies that are more simply made and it's completely character driven like these richard pryor gene wilder movies and you know Stir Crazy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and Silver Streak are just three movies that will always make you laugh. I just burped. Sorry. And again, apologies. I'm a lady. Um, and, oh my God, Chaplin is whining at the door right now. It's either Chaplin or Bunny. Can you stop? You're fine. These dogs are so fucking spoiled. I can't handle it. They're so cute, but they're so damn spoiled. He, uh, you've, you've got to watch these movies. I just, if you don't, we, we can't be friends anymore. Get high and watch them all. You know, if that's what you need to do, that's fine. I'm not going to be mad at you. You know, I understand. I really want you to enjoy it. <laughs> I want you to really, uh, get into the Gene Wilder. You know, people die, and the, the one good thing about it is that they have this posthumous success. Not post-hummus, post-humus. means after death. Uh, and I think people, because of the way social media works today, 
you die, your name is in the news, people end up looking you up. So I'm just trying to speed up that process. Gene Wilder also wrote a few books and I, I ended up meeting him when he was on his first book tour, I think back in, like I said, like 2004, he was on the tour for Kiss Me Like a Stranger. And from that book, he also wrote shorter books. And I'm not sure if he wrote them before or after, but he wrote The Woman Who Wouldn't, My French Whore, <laughs> uh, Kiss Me Like a Stranger, which is his memoir, which is really good. And I think there's one more. I feel like he did one more book. It's Kiss Me Like a Stranger. Um, my French whore, the woman who wouldn't, there's gotta be one more. Let's check this out. Um, no, maybe that's it. He directed his own movie called The Woman in Red. That's from 1984. I haven't seen that. You know, I realized looking at an IMDb, IMDb, there's a few books that I haven't, or a few movies I haven't seen. So uh, myself from this podcast, I'm going to check out some other movies. So th the other book was what's this? What is this thing called? Love. My French whore, the woman who wouldn't, uh, and something to remember you by. So those are the other books besides Kiss Me Like a Stranger. I recommend Kiss Me Like a Stranger. It's his memoir. He talks a lot about his upbringing and his childhood and how he met Gilda. And the interesting thing about him and Gilda, Gilda died of cancer. Gilda Radner. She was from Saturday Night Live. Rosanna, Rosanna Dana. Little bit of the droplet of sweat dripping down his nose. Such a great comedic actress. So funny. They met and fell in love. She got sick with cancer. Um, and he stayed with her by her side, took care of her, loved her, was with her until she died. And then... This, this is in his book, but it's too good not to tell. It's not a spoiler or anything. While he was studying for see no evil, hear no evil, uh, he had to work with a speech pathologist to help him learn how to read lips, just to get into the character a little bit. You know, sometimes movies, they send actors to do a little reconnaissance for the character. So he was working with this speech pathologist, and he met her, and Gilda was still alive, but he ended up marrying this woman after Gilda passed away and he was married with her until the day he died so that says something about love and devotion and commitment and the ability to stay faithful and love someone and be by their side and then also be able to have another life how fucking great is that not all of us are gonna have that I'm too rotten and dead inside to even handle <laughs> my Thanksgiving dinners with my own family no uh but it's kind of sweet, so that's a little interesting fact. And I feel like I may have told my Gene Wilder story, but I'm going to tell it again just because this is the Gene Wilder podcast, and it's a pretty crazy story, I think. Serendipitous, if you will. I was living in Boston with my boyfriend at the time, Randall. Shout out to Randall Wooten. And we were living near Boston... University, I believe. It was either Boston University or Boston College. We were in Alston. And Randall sent me a message and said, Gene Wilder is doing a uh, 
tour for his book and he's going to be at the student center at the college today. So this is like, this is definitely in 2005, I believe. This is right before I left Boston to live, to, to live in New York to pursue comedy more. Um, and so when Randall told me this, I was at home. We were about six T stops, six train stops away from the school where Gene Wilder was going to be. Biggest childhood inspiration, biggest idol. And I've never met anybody famous in my life at, up to that point. So this is like one o'clock in the afternoon. I go down to the college. I go to the ticket, the box office at the school, the student performance center. I think it's T, uh, TSAI, Theatrical Student Something Center or something. I don't even know how to fucking spell out acronyms. C wasn't even a part of that shit. Um, whatever that center is there, the TSAI? Ah, oh, man, I can't think. I hate not being able to remember shit. Um, well, anyways, it's irrelevant. It's just a, a performance space at Boston University. I'm pretty sure it's TSAI Performance Center. I get there, go to the ticket counter, and the, I ask the girl, I said, hello, I'd like to get tickets for Gene Wilder tonight. And she asked if I was a student. I said no, and she said, well, this is just reserved for students. And I said, there's no way I can get in. She said, no, it's gonna, we're, uh, we're predicting that it's gonna be sold out. We're anticipating it to be completely sold out, so we are reserving it only for students, staff, and alumni. And, you know, I had only went to Onondaga Community College for one semester, for one year in Syracuse, so I wasn't even alumni of my own college. <laughs> so I talked to her for a few more minutes because, you know, I wasn't thinking I'm going to get in to see him. I just was, you know, uh, talking to her. Maybe subconsciously I was making a plan, but I remember making her laugh about something after that. And the girl and I were about the same age, and so. I tried to ask her if I could get in a ticket again, and she was very adamant about it because she had a, a job to do, and so I left. And on my way back home, I was determined to come back there and get in to see Gene Wilder talk about his book and answer questions and all that great shit. Went to the apartment, got dressed, changed. The show was at like 8. It's not a show, but, you know, he was doing a Q&A for the school. So I get on the train. I head down there. Now, the moment I got on the train to the to the... Boston University, it's probably like a 10, 15 minute ride, if that. So in my mind, I'm like, I have to think of a plan. What is my story going to be so that I can get into this thing? Because I thought I was going to have to smooth talk my way in. And, you know, being my father's daughter, I was thinking of something I could say to schmooze a little. And so <laughs> I feel terrible about this. I really do. But my story that I went with in my mind this is how fucked up my mind is. I said, okay, I'm going to pretend that I'm deaf. I'm going to pretend that I'm deaf and have a speech problem. And I'm going to tell them that my speech pathologist is in there with my tickets. And I was fully prepared to commit to the bit and sound deaf. Sound deaf. And you guys know what I'm talking about. People who are born deaf or became deaf at a young age... They can't hear themselves speak, so their speech is a little impaired because of the inability to hear their own voice. So the words they develop are based off of reading lips and whatever little sound they can, you know, strum up to be able to speak. So I'm like, 
can't believe I literally in my head on the way there was like practicing <laughs> practicing talking and sounding like I was deaf terrible okay please don't hang up the podcast okay just just understand that I was a young girl with a goal and I'm a I am committed to the cause and so I went there with that plan and I was gonna follow through with it that was my, you know, I was like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick to the plan. I get there. I walk in. And I panic. I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. And so I walk up, and it's packed. And students are filing in. It's like 7.50. And it's about to start in 10 minutes. And I'm just thinking quick. And I look to the right, and the girl's in the ticket. Same girl in the box office. And I'm like, I can't try her again. I'm not even going to try it. And so... I, I look to the left and I see this woman with a walkie-talkie and an earpiece and a clipboard. Now, that's an important bitch. You got a clipboard, you got a job. And you got a job being the gatekeeper, most likely. Everybody knows that. And so I walk up to her and in my mind I'm practicing a couple deaf sounds. <laughs> you know, uh, just to try and get my way in there. And uh, she looks at me and she goes, you have a ticket? And I panic and I go, uh... Now, in the moment she asked, do you have a ticket? And me going, uh... My eyes diverted over to the box office. Just out of, I don't know, realizing I'd met this girl before and just trying to think of something. And as I looked at the box office and I was saying, uh... The girl from the box office happened to look my way. And just out of pure recognition... And I think an absent-minded reaction, she waved at me. And I took that opportunity and I said to the lady, yeah, the girl right there, and the woman was clipboard, happened to be looking at the box office because she was following my gaze. She saw the girl wave at me and I said, the girl in the box office said that I could get in. I'm meeting somebody inside and I can get in. And the lady thinks for a beat and goes, all right, whatever. Hands me a ticket and I get in. And I felt like I just got into the motherfucking Pentagon. I was like, yo, I just got into a bank vault. I got a hundred million dollars. <laughs> I felt like I won the fucking lottery. I was like, I got this. Yeah. So I was all jacked up. I was all jacked up. And I go and I sit in my seat. And I'm just beaming with energy. I go by myself, mind you. I'm not there with anybody. I wasn't meeting anybody. Nobody could come. All my friends were working, so I was there by myself. I sat in the one free seat, and a guy was sitting next to me. He had like a little camera video recorder that he was gearing up, and he said, you know, you look really excited. I'm assuming you're a big fan, and I said, yes, I am. I've loved Gene Wilder my whole life, and he's been a big inspiration. And he goes, oh, really, what do you do? And I said, I'm pursuing stand-up comedy and performance and he said that's great well this this will be a good experience for you and I said what do you do and he said I'm a speech pathologist (laughs) can you fucking believe that what like I know you've all had those experiences I know you listening right now you've had those experiences when you're like this cannot be a coincidence. There's no way that this is a coincidence because it's so specific and it's so unbelievably serendipitous that there's no explanation. And I was, my mouth dropped. I was like, 
what? You're a what? And he goes, why is it so shocking? And so I told him my plan. I told him just what I told you guys. And he was dying. He was like, that is, it's, it's fate. You were meant to, to meet this man. And so Gene Wilder spoke. There was a, an interviewer, a woman on stage with him. And it was at the, the center and it was filled. Every seat was packed. And the woman was just asking him questions about his life and uh, his, you know, history with movies and film and stage and Broadway and got onto the book. And then they did a Q&A portion. Now in this theater, there were two aisles down either side of the bottom floor of the uh, orchestra floor. And at each aisle, they had a microphone set up. So there were two lines of people lining up to do a Q&A with Gene. And the woman said, if you would like to ask Gene a question, just line up behind either microphone on either side of the room and we'll go back and forth and answer as many questions as we can. I'm up on the second level. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm stalling. And the guy's like, what are you doing? Go down there. You don't have to have a question. Just talk to him. You don't need to ask him anything. Just get down there so you can talk to your childhood idol. And so I haul ass down there. But by the time I got there, there was like 10 people in front of me equal on the other side so there's 20 people ahead of me to talk to Gene so I'm waiting and I'm watching these fucking twats ask the dumbest question did was your outfit itchy from Willy Wonka did you was the river really filled with chocolate hey what was it like to you know be in a chicken suit and stir crate just the dumbest fucking questions like google it okay I don't know if google existed at that point I don't think it did but you know the, the internet is here for, to answer your dumb fucking questions make it personal or go home so it just back and forth between these two aisles with dumb fucking questions and I kid you not I look over to the right the last person is up and then it's me next and I'm like alright trying to think of a question this person goes up asks their dumb fucking question and then the interviewer goes okay that's all the time we have for questions and I belt out into the microphone I don't have a question I just want to say something to Mr. Wilder please <laughs> it was like one of those moments where it was so loud I cut her off and the whole auditorium you could hear a, 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 an ant shart that's how quiet it got for me screaming into the microphone and it made that like microphone noise you know like when you touch a microphone like that it's all loud and creaky and hurting people's ears and she goes, oh, okay. And Jean Wilder's like, let her, you know, we, we've got time for this. I'd like to hear what she has to say. And I can't remember this moment verbatim. I just remember how I felt. And to me, that's all that matters. But I remember saying to him, I was shaking. My voice was shaking. I was terrified. And I was probably about 200 feet away from him, maybe a little bit more. It felt like two football fields away because I just wanted to be up there talking to him. And I just said, you know, I am pursuing a career in comedy and I just want to tell you that you've been one of the biggest inspirations in my life. Your movies are, and still to this day, are the funniest movies I've ever seen and they've really inspired me. And not only that, but they were movies that I watched with my dad and they were moments I shared with my father. So thank you for providing me with those memories. And I started to get emotional because I'm a fucking pussy. And Gene was like, you know, well, that was worth waiting for. Thank you very much. This is why I do it. Something to that effect. That was it. And then he had books for sale. 
So I'm like, well, I'm gonna go buy a book. And that's where you can do like a real up close shit. And I'm like, I'm gonna go in line, I'm gonna buy a book. So I get up there to buy a copy of Kiss Me Like a Stranger. And she hands me a book. And I was like, oh, I better take two. So she hands me two more. So I'm holding three books. She misunderstood me, but only charged me for two. Now, I'd like to tell you that I corrected her, but I didn't. I probably should have, but I also was panicking because Gene Wilder was right there. And so I got a free book out of the deal. And I moved over, and Gene was signing the books. And in my head, I'm like, say something, say something, say something. So he looks up to me, and I'm right in front of him with just a table separating us. And he goes, hello. And that very buttery childlike sweet voice that he has that I always loved and I looked at him and I was like hi <laughs> and he signed one book and then I gave him the second one he looked up at me again hello you know he's trying to be funny and I just so nervous I was like hi <laughs> it was like <laughs> and then I gave him the third book and he looked up at me hello and I just was like dying my face is probably purple and it turns out that the guy speech pathologist who had been sitting next to me videotaped this whole thing so it's it's recorded the problem is I have the, I have the DVD the problem is it won't play there's issues with it so I, I'm so scared to give it to somebody to try to fuck with because I feel like it I'll lose it. So I've just had it on this DVD. I haven't been able to watch it ever. So there's this memory of me meeting Gene Wilder on a DVD that I am too afraid to give to somebody to convert into a file that I can put on the internet because I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. Now, maybe the DVD has gone dusty and it's gone anyways, but if any of you know somebody or you are that person who can convert DVDs to a file, hit your girl up sharptonguepodcast at gmail.com let me know if you can if you're good at converting dvds into some more modern file <laughs> it's like having it chiseled into stone i might as well just have a native american recreate the moment because it's so archaic at this point but yeah that was my gene wilder moment and it was amazing and i i, I carry that with me you know uh it's very rare that you get to have moments like that in your life and you have to seize them you have to seize the day, you motherfuckers. Okay? Try the chocolate. Try some of the of the chocolate because there may be your golden ticket inside. You know what I'm saying? We could all have a little golden ticket in our life. Everybody needs a little bit of inspiration and opportunity. So, you know, I hope Gene Wilder rests in peace. I don't know what happens to us after we die. Well, I kind of do because I experienced it when I tripped on edibles. That's for another podcast. I experienced death. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I told you, I'm pretty sure I told you that the Funny or Die party in Montreal, the comedy festival, I tripped out on edibles so hard I thought I died. So I do know what happens in my experience, but I hope he's resting well and I hope he reconnected with Gilda. His wife is still alive, so she's probably going to be jealous as fuck that Gene has passed away and maybe he's getting it on with Gilda up in heaven or wherever the fuck we go in, in the great void out in the universe when we die. But, you know, I think they deserve a little reconnection. You know what I'm saying? Like a little, a little rekindling of their love. 
Everybody always says that, like when someone's nana or grandpa dies. That happened to me just recently. One of my friends was like, oh, my grandma died. I bet, you know, now she's up in heaven with, with grandpa. And I'm like, no, she's not. You're going to be married to the same man for 60 years on earth and go to heaven and still fuck him? Hell no. You're going to get some of that new heaven dick. Come on now. Bring your own dick. All right? This is heaven. I don't got to still bang my husband that I was with for 85 years. I'm going to get some fresh D behind these pearly gates. <laughs> Jesus. So I hope, Jean, that you've found Gilda and that you guys are able to have a nice moment together reconnecting wherever we go when we die. And uh, you brought me joy, man, and you're going to continue to bring joy to, to people for forever now thanks to the movies and books and the great art that you put out there and I hope you people check out these movies you have to I I am just I can't be adamant enough go to Gene Wilder not well you can't go to him because he died if you go to Gene Wilder you know then you're going towards a white light and I would advise against that if you can but for now find his movies and start with Willy Wonka and work your way through them. Willy Wonka, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Stir Crazy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Haunted Honeymoon, oh, The Producers, everything you want to, always want to know about sex. Check them all out for me. So your job is to get high, watch Willy Wonka, and then find time to watch all of all his other movies. Because there's a lot of shit out there today. You might as well stick with some classics. And I know what I'm talking about. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope Gene is up there and happy. I really do. And I found this dope interview that Gene Wilder did, I think probably around 2005, 2006, with Conan O'Brien. And Conan touched on a lot of the subjects that I talked about in reference to Gene Wilder and I thought it was interesting that we both kind of said the same things when we spoke about him and uh, it just goes to show you that I'm not the only person who felt this way about Gene and his movies so hope you enjoyed this podcast please remember to review share with your friends have them subscribe and also check me out jessiemay.com for all my tour dates send me your crazy stories to get free tickets to come see me live sharptonguepodcast at gmail.com I hope you have a good day or night or afternoon or whatever you're going to do. Blaze, blaze, blaze. And I'll see you guys next week. My next guest is a two-time Academy Award-nominated writer and actor who has starred in, I think, more classic American film comedies than anybody. Young Frankenstein, The Producers, Blazing Saddles, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Silver Streak, Stir Crazy, list goes on and on. His new book is called Kiss Me Like a Stranger. It's getting amazing reviews. Please welcome Gene Wilder. Wow. You're you're very good. Oh no, oh, at what you do. Yeah, well, I couldn't do what you do. We haven't figured out what I do yet, but Whatever at, it is, you're I'm, good well, at it. Well, thank you. That means, you know, uh, this is, uh, it's, it's a real thrill to have you here. I'm a huge fan uh, of, of so many of your movies. 
I wanted to start with, I have a, an 18-month-old daughter, and she's not old enough yet to watch movies or anything. I can't wait to show her Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. For my money, it's the best <laughs> children's movie for children and adults to watch at the same time. And with the new technology, DVD, so many kids are seeing that film now and have seen it over the years since the film was first made. How do kids respond to you when they see you now? Their eyes light up. Yeah. They don't say anything. Right. Just, I can tell every four and a half years I get a new crop. Right, right. Because the, the mamas won't let them see it until they're about four and a half years old, right. five years old. And then I walk down the street and I, I see the eyes light up like that and um, they don't, they're too nervous to say anything most of the time. Right. Uh, those who aren't come and want to sit on my lap, but... Right, right. Which could get you in trouble, yeah. Yes. You don't want that. <laughs> do you, uh... You don't need that. Do, do people try and sing the Oompa Loompa no, song to you? No, too difficult. Good, Because they forget the words. They don't, right. they, you know, Oompa Loompa, but then they get lost. Right. But if you've had a few drinks, that wouldn't stop one, no. you know? I'd be like, Oompa Loompa, blippity blee. <laughs> You'd be like, please, shut up. You know, one of the things I, I love so much about that movie that makes it work for me, which is unlike a lot of, a lot of children's movies are afraid to have any menace. And Willy, Willy Wonka, there is some, there's a hint, there's some darkness in that role that you, that you added to the character. And I think that probably scared some moms away when the movie first came out. It did, because it wasn't a commercial success. No, which always surprised me. When the movie came out, you know, people, the movie didn't do that well. And I think it was because there's some scariness to it a little bit. The, the kids weren't scared. Right. The mothers were scared. Right, right. They on thought, behalf of the kids. On behalf of the kids. But right. the kids knew it was a morality play. Right. Right. And where, where do you draw the line? And they wanted the line drawn. Right, right. The mothers were afraid of it. Right. And it's interesting, as the kids get older, I think they, the parents feel okay with them seeing it, and then they realize there's nothing scary about this movie at all. No. When going through the tunnel, the psychedelic tunnel, a little bit scary. Yeah, well, you, that's where, when I saw that movie for the first time and you're taking the kids through the tunnel and Willy Wonka starts to seem insane to me <laughs> in a scary way, and I, you know, I was afraid, but then you, you learn later on there's a purpose to all of it. Uh, I, I want to ask you about Young Frankenstein, which is easily uh, one of the funniest movies ever made, and you co-wrote... You co-wrote this... You co-wrote this film, uh, and, and Mel Brooks directed the movie, and uh, I only found out much later on that my favorite scene in the whole movie, and I think for many people their favorite scene, is when Dr. Frankenstein, you, do the number, the tap, the tap dance number, putting on the Ritz mm. with the monster, and it's so insane and so absurd, and I only realized later on, I guess, that that was your idea, and Mel Brooks didn't want to do it. Is that right? No, uh, I would write all day, and then he'd come over after dinner and look at, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now, we need a villain. The Burgermeister right. isn't a good enough villain. We right, need a right. real villain, and so on and so on. And one night he came over, and he looks at the pages, and he says, you tap dance to Irving Berlin? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. In Top Hat and Tails with the Monster? Right, right. He said, are you crazy? It's frivolous. Right, right. And uh, I started to argue, and then I argued for about 20 minutes till I was at least red in the face. I think it may have been blue. And all of a sudden, he says, okay, it's in. And I said, well, why did you put me through this? Right. He said, because I wasn't sure if it was right or not. And if you didn't argue for it, I knew it would be wrong. But if you really argued, I knew it was right. 
That's actually an interesting technique. Well, so, uh, if you hadn't, you know, if you had just been like, oh, okay, whatever, I, I, maybe it is a stupid no, idea. But I, but I knew him well, and, and the, that is the only argument that we've ever had. Yeah. Well, and I think also it was one of the, for, you know, one of the earliest movies I saw that was a comedy where the acting was so straight and so sincere. Do you know what I mean? You're I believing do. in everything a thousand percent, and that's what makes it so funny. 18 You're... years of study. Right, right. In order to to learn, finally, right. that the more real you can make a comedy, the funnier right. it's going to be, right. instead of making faces and doing funny sounds and all of that. Right. It's why I've been barred from the movies, I think, yes. for the most part. <laughs> no. You did so many, so many great, uh, so much great work with, with Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. uh, and you guys seem to have this chemistry that doesn't come along that often uh, in, in movies. Did you feel the same way with Richard Pryor? Did I you did. feel it while you were working with him? From the first day. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you something, I, I, I don't want to be shocking you, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit like a, like a sexual chemistry. I mean, look, it's true. Right, right. I mean, right. you see someone and, and you say, um, I really am attracted to that woman right and someone says but why her that this girl is much prettier right she's taller she's shorter she's fatter right. she's slimmer why that one i don't know i am right i'm right. just and when richard and i did our first scene some magic happened what they call chemistry right and he improvised i i used to improvise in class but mm -hmm. not in front of the movie camera right and uh, i would answer him back and forth back and forth and we are on such a, a similar wavelength, not in private life so much. That's interesting. It didn't translate no, off camera. Uh -uh. He had his own world that he, he his friends and everything. Right. Uh, I wanted to more. But right. Anyway, um, I'm telling you that there was something going on. We, when we were, did that first big scene in Stir Crazy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and tore the place apart, the prison, right. at the same moment, we both started to hum, to sing, Ta-dum, 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 ta-dum. Laurel and Hardy. Right, right. And w when Sidney, uh, Sidney Poitier said, cut, I said, did you know you were going to do that? And he said, no. Did you know? I said, no, I didn't. But we both did it on beat at the same time. That's just, there's something in the air. That's just magic. Yeah, you, no one can explain that. That's very cool. You know, I, I was reading through your book, and one of the things that made me so happy, because I've been such a fan of you and, and your work, is that you've been through so much, You've, you've had incredible career success, you've had high highs, you've had tragedy in your life, and, and when you get to the end of the book, you seem like you're in a really good place now, you're happy. And that made me feel really, you know, that made me feel good, because I just, I want you to be happy, so that was nice. That's true, right? You feel good. I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. That's fantastic. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.